Today we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 4. And I'm excited about this, you guys, because it is in one sense a, a wooing and then in one sense a warning. You know, warnings are huge. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but we had warnings uh, of, regarding 9-11. We had warnings regarding Adolf Hitler. You know, we had warnings regard, regarding the genocide that took place in Rwanda where 800,000 people were slaughtered. I mean, it was crazy what was going on in those days. You know, they, they, they saw things mustering up in, in, the, in the nation, and there was a fax sent to the United Nations warning them about this potential genocide, and it was completely ignored. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, you, you name it. I mean, over the years, I was watching different videos and stuff about how uh, throughout the history of the world, many times we have ignored the warnings and therefore we paid the price. And, and so, you know, for me, I, I was just thinking about tonight's study. You know, you guys are midweek people. Most of you guys probably, you know, you love the Lord and you're doing your best to abide in him. But, you know, I think all of us here have room for improvement. We have a, 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 a calling of the Holy Spirit to draw closer to God. You know, and sometimes we, we sin, you know, and we try not to, but we don't really try that hard. And then we sin again, and we sin again, and, you know, we're whatever, we cop in attitudes, we're not reading, we're not praying. You know, we're not really seeking God the way that we should, but hey, we're still Christians. And maybe the Holy Spirit's warning you. Hey, you know what, I know you're cool with that, but I'm not. You got We have to get our life right, and because if we ignore the warnings, we're gonna we're gonna pay the price. And so my prayer is that we would be a holy church. You know, one of the things that bums me out is sometimes you go into church and you know it seems like you can't even fellowship with people because they're more interested in talking about other things. They're not really interested in talking about the Lord. And so my prayer is that we would take the book of Jeremiah to heart because it is a word that was written to the southern kingdom of Judah and Jeremiah warned them for 40 years, 40 years. And unfortunately, they didn't listen. They paid the price. He started prophesying when he was only 17 years old, 17 years old, five different kings. None of them listened. None of those leaders listened. And so um, you guys know the story. In 605 B.C., the Babylonians came. Uh, they carried some away captive. Daniel was part of it. In 597 B.C., they came again. And uh, that time, Ezekiel went with them in the deportation to Babylon. And they still didn't listen. until. And then what happened in 586? Just boom, the temple was leveled. And, and so, you know, my prayer, not only for you, but for me too, you guys. I'm sitting up here. I'm not a perfect person. I make mistakes. I sin. There are areas of, of, of growth and improvement that I need. None of us here will ever be perfect. But hey, I bet you almost anything that we can be closer to God. That we can be. And so here's the calling. It's a, it's a wooing. And then it's just a heavy warning. And this is what the Bible says. I, I can't get around it. We're in Jeremiah chapter 4. And it says in verse 1, If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. 
And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. And you shall swear the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. See, this is God's wooing. This first portion right here is pretty cool. It's pretty soft. Hey, man, if you return to God, uh, the Lord says, uh, return to me like with all of your heart. It's basically what he's saying. Let it be a genuine uh, return. Let it be not superficial. Uh, Sometimes people don't return because they feel like, well, I've already done it and nothing's happening. Well, that's why you have to return. And return. It was interesting. One of the songs we sang today, I don't know if you guys caught it, I think it was we used the word resurrender. We have to do it over and over again. Return to the Lord. And he says right here, return to me. Not not a you know some weird, you know, not just a church, not a religion, not a habit, but you're returning to him. And he says, And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight. And that is in reference to some of the idols, obviously, that they struggled with. But think about it. What doesn't God... God sees everything. And we're going to see even later, he's dealing with the heart, he's dealing with the mind, the thoughts. Get rid of that, those abominable things. Now again, like I said earlier, we're all human, we all sin. We're not going to be perfect on this side of time. But there are things that some people do, even in the church, that are abominations to God. Abominations. You know, the pride, the pornography, the anger, the outbursts of wrath. You know, the, the foul language, the F-bombs. And these people, they go to church service. And God says, you got to take all that. And when I think about it, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says that God sees everything. There is nothing hidden from his sight. That, should, that, that theology, that fact about God, man, it's powerful. It's powerful to know that he sees everything. You go home, you're a different person at home. Well, God sees that. So when we're talking about returning to the Lord, we're not just talking about returning to church. We're not just talking about being religious. We're talking about you know, really returning to him and getting rid of anything because he sees everything, all those abominable things. Because if not, how many of you believe judgment is coming to our planet? Because it's crazy out there, huh? I just saw recently Peter sent me something about they they're, they're, there's this theological seminaries saying that Jesus was uh, possibly uh, transgender. I mean, just crazy stuff. So, the world is going to be judged. But, let me tell you something. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And we see that throughout the scriptures. And so if we're not right and we're playing games with God, then you've got to understand this. You're, you're going to get hit first. So this is why we have to return to the Lord. We have to return to Him. We have to get rid of those things that are abominations. And, and He says, and then you shall not be moved. See, when you get real with God, it's then that you won't be moved. And when you're talking about, what do you mean moved? Well, I'm talking about like the reasons why God made you, you know, the promised land. So the children of Israel, they were there and they were brought out of Egypt into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was victorious Christian living and it was a blessed life. 
beautiful, blessed life. That was their land. That was their inheritance. But because of the fact that they continued in resistant, persistent, insistent, consistent sin, eventually the time came where they were taken out of their land. They were moved. And that can happen to any of us. I always tell you guys that I believe that God designed us with a destiny, that he created us and knit us together in our mother's womb. Uh, with, uh, in his mind, there was a mission for us to, to live. There was a life, a ministry. But if we continue in sin, then we will be moved out of that promised land, that victorious Christian life. Now, I'm not saying that you necessarily lose your salvation, but man, you know, it's crazy what can happen. I was thinking about John 6, 66, where it says, and from that time, many of his disciples departed and walked with him no more. I was thinking about 2 Timothy chapter 4, I think it's verse 10, where it says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And if you're not careful, you continue living in sin, no big deal. You're like Samson, when the day comes, oh, I'll rise and just like all the other days. And he did not know that the Spirit had departed from him. And so my encouragement to you, to me, is to look what the Lord says in verse 2. And then you shall swear the Lord lives in truth, in judgment or justice and in righteousness. I mean, I bet you I can talk to a lot of people that they have all the Christian cliches down pat, man. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, God bless you. I mean, they can say all those things. As the Lord lives, that was a common thing in the Old Testament. As the Lord lives, you know, and, and he's, but a lot of them are saying that stuff. Hallelujah. God bless you. You know, and you hear even sometimes these celebrities and people and from Hollywood, they're living ungodly lives. But yeah, it's such a blessing. They know the vernacular. But he's saying, if you get right with God, if you get right with God, you turn from your sin, then when you say it as the Lord lives, you'll be able to say it from the heart. Saul said, as the Lord lives, as the Lord lives, but he did not live as if the Lord lived. You know, Gehazi, as the Lord lives, when he was on his way to get money from Naaman the Syrian, as the Lord lives, he said it, but he wasn't living as if the Lord lived. You know, Elijah said it in 1 Kings 17, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. I mean, he knew it. See, when you know the Lord is alive, that he sees everything, that you live, we live in his presence, it changes our life. And the Lord says, when you turn truly turn from your sin, and when you cast away those abominable things from God's sight who happens to see everything, you know, then you won't be moved. You won't. You, no one won't be able to move you. And he says, so cool, as we read right here, we'll be able to say this in truth and in righteousness. And I love what it says in verse 2, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. And so more than likely, some say, well, the nations. What do you mean the nations? Some say it's Israel and Judah, Israel and Judah. But, but probably not because Jeremiah is talking to the southern kingdom, singular, Judah. So not Israel and Judah. More than likely, 
He's talking about more of a missions uh, perspective. When we get our life right with God, others will see it. They'll want your God. They're going to get saved. That's missions. And I was thinking about that, the nations, you know, and you get all the different nations. But I was even thinking about our family, the mission field with our family. And, you know, people, sometimes they get frustrated. Oh, it's been so long and -and so-and-so's not saved and them and they're just so hard-hearted and things like that. And again, uh, yes, everybody has to make their own decision. I'm not blaming it on you, but a lot of times it is our fault. It is our fault. If we would just rise up and live that life, that life, then the nations, the the foreigners, the, the ones that aren't saved, you're going to start seeing them getting saved. And they're going to even notice that, yeah, you've been a Christian for a long time, but I notice now something's different about you. Like, it's like you really are loving on me and I'm feeling the love, I'm sensing the love. The forgiveness, you know, the grace. That's what happens, you guys. See, here God is saying, return to me. And it's so cool because when you read Jeremiah chapter 3, the word is found repeatedly. As a matter of fact, the word return is found 48 times in the book of Jeremiah. You know, how many of you guys, I'm sure you, maybe you had a girlfriend. And uh, I don't know if this is a good example, but I don't know. Let's just say you are, you're a guy, you had a girl. And let's just say she went out on you with some other dude. Right? How many of you guys would say, Charlie, I'd never have her back. A lot of you guys would say that. Forget you. Too bad, so sad. They're gone for good, right? But the Lord, he, even though we went, we were unfaithful, the Lord says, return. Return to me. I'll, 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 we're, we're right back where we started, man. I wonder if there's anyone here tonight who needs to return to the Lord. This is his personal call to you. Maybe you're watching online. This is what God is saying. He says next, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. So again, you know, I'm talking about the wooing. It's kind of nice. Oh, return to me. We'll have a great life. But if not, you know, the Lord is very clear right here what ends up happening. You know, he uses an illustration, uh, first of all, an agricultural illustration. It says, break up your fallow ground. You know, the fellow ground would be the, the hard ground, and they wouldn't sow seeds on the hard ground. Um, one of the things that I've noticed, you know, what can happen is, you know, you're hearing Bible studies over and over and over again, but you're not changing. You're still the same. We should be growing. We should be growing. But we're the same. We're the same. I don't get it, man. I'm reading the Bible and I'm going to the Bible studies. You want to know why? Because you haven't 
this fallow ground, that heart, something about it is not right. You know, the sea is falling, and Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 13. You got the sower, the seed, and the soils. And, you know, the, 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 the sower goes out, and he sows the seed. The seed is the word of God, and sometimes it falls on the, on the, on the hard ground. On, on, it's, there's, no, there's no way it's going to go inside of that ground. And so what the Lord says right here is break up that fallow ground. I remember a song by Steve Camp. It was written in 1990. If you guys ever get a chance, uh, well, you can look it up on iTunes now, huh? Steve Camp, uh, Living in Laodicea. Laodicea was the lukewarm church. And Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but if you're going to be lukewarm, Jesus said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. But that song right there, he says, Oh Lord, take your plow to my fallow ground. Let your blade dig down to the soil of my soul. Because I've become dry and dusty. And Lord, there must be richer earth lying below. And I've been living in Laodicea. And the fire that once grew bright, I've let it grow dim. And the one I said that I would die for has been forgotten as the world's become my friend. See, we have to, God, soften my heart because when the word comes in and when I'm reading it, when I'm hearing it, I'm gonna, I gotta be loving it. And I gotta be listening and learning and living it, Lord. God, this is what was happening to Judah. They he, Break up your fallow ground, God says. Don't, don't sow among thorns. And again, when you look at the parable of the sower and the seed in the soil, you find that there is some that was sown among the wayside and it was hard, it didn't even go in. Others were sown among the, the, the shallow grounds. And so they, they were excited for a little bit, just like sometimes people get excited for a little bit. But then when the sun you know, rises and the trials start, they wither away. You know, If you were to go to Israel, you would see some of these rocky parts rocky places and some of those places they have a little bit of soil but not enough for anything to really happen and so the, there's some that on the wayside some they, they're excited for just a little season others it says they fall among the thorns and that's what he mentions right here and it's it, it, these the other weeds and, and thorns they, they 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 take the energy away from that word and and that that can happen jesus goes on to explain the one thorn among thorns is the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. It chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, but then there's a one that's sown among the good ground, the soft soil, the open hearts. God says that's the one that brings forth fruit. Right here, their hearts were hard. I and mean, we have the agricultural uh, uh, metaphor. And then we also have uh, in verse for circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire. You guys know, right, that circumcision was a covenant, a sign established in Genesis chapter 17 when God called Abraham. And circumcision is symbolic of cutting away the flesh. Right, and so um, they thought that that was cool, man. I got circumcised. I'm good with God. You're religious, and you know you're set. 
I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church, whatever. I got the sacraments, you got the Catholic Church trusting in rituals, just like the Jews were trusting in that. Some people, I remember when I went to Missouri on a missions trip to Missouri when I was a young adult, you know, we would go up to people, inviting them to a Christian concert that was coming up, and we'd go up to them and say, hey, we want to invite you to a Christian concert. And they say, oh, I don't need to go. I'm a Christian. I, I, I was baptized. They say it with a southern accent. Everybody over there is a Christian. Why? Because I, uh, I was baptized. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. I mean, you've got to get baptized. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is part of being obedient and showing the world that you love Jesus. But that doesn't save you. Well, what he's talking about right here, that was the equivalent. That was what the Jews saw circumcision as, that sacred ceremony. Uh, they were trusting in that. And God says, no, don't just cut away the foreskin of, of that. You, what you've got to do is you've got you to cut away the foreskin of your heart. And what God is calling me to this evening and you to this evening is more than religion. It's deeper, I believe, than we've gone. You guys, this is real stuff. God is calling us deeper tonight to circumcise our hearts, to get real with God. You know, what we find, and you read this, and it's, it's interesting as you go through the scriptures in Colossians, the book of Romans, they, they talk about this a lot, you guys. We have to make sure that we don't play games with God. I've told you guys many times the Christian life it's not a playground, it's a battleground. And, you know, when we come in here, it's a blessing, you know, to be with my brothers and sisters. But when you go out there, it's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. When you go out with your family, let your children see you as the godliest person because they know the real you, and the real you loves Jesus. You know, it can't just be in these walls. You know, I was, I, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's on fire for God. Have you guys, you have, huh? Some of you guys probably are, but I love it. I love it, man. I mean, I've been, lately, the Lord's just been bringing people into my life, and it kind of reminded me of when I was a new believer. And this is, when I was a new believer, it's like everything was about Jesus. And you just wanted to share the Lord with everyone. And then a lot of times what ends up happening is you start dying down a little bit. Next thing you know, you find your niche in this world and you got a comfortable life. And, and a lot of times what ends up happening is that fire dies. And I think we have to be careful on that. Because if not, God will discipline you. He will. You know, he will discipline us. He won't destroy us because we're his people, but he will deal with us, and sometimes it's worse than it is, you know, at other times. Look what happens here, and this gets heavy, you guys. Look, it says, Declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, Blow the trumpet in the land, cry, gather together, and say, Assemble yourselves, and let us go into the fortified cities. Set up the standard toward Zion. Take refuge. Do not delay. And I don't know if you circle stuff in your Bible, but just make a mental note of that. Do it now. Do it now. Don't delay. 
For I will bring disaster from the north and great destruction. You know, basically what he's saying is that when you, uh, when you were to go to Judah, you have the fortified city of Jerusalem. That's got, you know, the walls all around it. But all the other, you know, suburb areas, uh, agricultural areas, they don't. And what they're saying now is, hey, you guys better run to that place called Jerusalem because disaster is coming from the north and the Babylonians, they would conquer from the north. Now, some people, they slander other people. They talk about them behind their backs. And they think they're cool, and they think that God doesn't hear. You know, others are a little drinking, a little drugs, ain't no thing, you know. I mean, you name it, the, the sins, there's a multi-variety of sins. But see, we're supposed to be holy. Now, not perfect, don't get me wrong, I'm not Pharisees. I'm not talking about being a Pharisee. I'm just talking about being real and understanding that God hears everything. You talk smack about people, God hears that. You know, for us, we really have to make sure we don't have loose lips. We have to run because judgment is on his way. And remember, I told you guys, it begins in the house of the Lord it says the lion has come up from his thicket and the destroyer of nations is on his way. He has gone forth from its place, his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitant. For this, clothe yourself with sackcloth, lament and wail for the fierce anger of the Lord does not turn back from us. And this is, of course, a word to uh, Judah, um, God's people who had been blessed in so many ways. Now, if you were to go to Iraq today, you could find a big statue of a lion uh, that's symbolic of the Babylonian Empire. When you read the book of Daniel, it describes the nation of Babylon as a lion with wings. Same thing in the book of Ezekiel, a lion. And so what Jeremiah is saying very clearly here is that Babylon is going to invade uh, Judah. That Babylon would, God would judge the nation through this nation, Babylon. And he describes him as a lion. Now, when you read about a lion, obviously lions are powerful. Sometimes the Lord is the lion, right? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, tribe of Judah uh, Genesis chapter 49. Um, but also, who else is a lion in the Bible? The devil. The devil. And the Bible says, and it says in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, some of you guys are good fighters. I wouldn't want to fight you. Thank God we're friends now. But I tell you what, you go toe to toe with a lion, you're gonna get you're gonna get killed, you're gonna get mauled, you're gonna get eaten. What we find right here, this description of Babylon coming to Judah, it just breaks your heart and the devastation that will happen. Now here's the thing, I, I don't know about my country, about the United States of America. You know, I, I see the things that we're doing, you guys. 
And the babies that we're killing and the way that we're dis- destroying the family and, you know, less and less people are, you know, reading their Bibles, praying, going to church. I mean, you name it. And it's not just like a subtle thing. We're turning into a nation, basically, where in one sense, they're so um, against God. And I don't know, you know, I, I just, if I had to guess, I would have to say that judgment is coming to this nation. Now, when you read the Bible, every single nation will be destroyed, judged, except for Israel. So eventually, I don't know. What if I told you, and I think I've mentioned to you guys, you know, like I, I, I you know, had this word from God that, you know, I don't know, Russia will conquer the United States of America. And they will come in. And they will ravish the women. They will come in. They will have no mercy on the kids. They will take uh, the men and they will slaughter them. And so many men will be slaughtered that there will be heaps of bodies unable to be buried. And what if I told you that? I mean, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it could. You know, I was telling you about um, some of these things, some of these warnings that I've read about throughout the years. And um, some of them, a lot of them, people were saying it's impossible. Um, the, the, the Great Depression, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but there were warnings about the Great Depression. And they, they got, there was this guy that was talking and he was saying that uh, things are, are not well. And, you know, the economy was booming, but he started warning them about this. And sure enough, um, five months later, everything fell. Five billion dollars were dis- disappeared. In today's money, can't even calculate it. His warning was completely ignored. All the economists, all the public, they all thought it was impossible. Impossible. And we, as our Americans, oh, it's impossible. For you know such a thing to happen to our economy, maybe today we're thinking more it's possible, but you know we're thinking of a foreign invader on our land. It's impossible. Well, I don't know, you know what's going to happen, but I do know this that we are we are in sin. Our nation is in sin, and we, I don't know, man. You know, some people will say, "Manny, you're crazy." You're one of those weird guys. And even on the news, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but sometimes I watch a newscast on Channel 7, and they call us like the doom and gloom people. You know, have you guys heard that? And all I'm saying is like, uh, you know, like I was at the doctor's office the other day, and a nice doctor. So if she watches this, I'm sorry. But anyway, she had this thing on. It says, love is love. Love is love. And it has a rainbow on it, right? So you guys know what that means, right? And I was just thinking, okay, God is God. You can say love is love, and you don't know what love is. But listen, God is God. And he's a holy God. I don't know what's going to happen to the United States of America, but I know if we continue the way that we are, if we don't take like these warnings to heart, um, you know, things can happen. Now, God is opening doors here in the city of Almani, praying that things will change. But you guys, we got to fight. We got to know about this. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't need to, you know, hear the warning because you're doing 
okay, uh, but maybe you need to warn someone else because the judgment is coming. Look what it says right here. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish and the heart of the princes, the priests shall be astonished and the, and the prophets shall, shall wonder. These guys are supposed to be the leaders. They're going to be afraid. Jeremiah is telling them straight out. Then I said, Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, surely you have greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying you shall have peace, whereas the sword reaches to the heart. Now, that's an interesting verse. It's like almost like Jeremiah is saying, God, you've deceived us in saying there is peace, when in all reality, the sword is cutting to the heart. But what Jeremiah is doing here is being sarcastic, because what you're going to see in the book of Jeremiah is that there were many prophets that they were saying, oh no, Babylon's not going to come in. Oh no, there is going to be peace. As a matter of fact, it's interesting, we're not there yet, but in the book of Jeremiah chapter 28, in chapter 28, Jeremiah goes in with some wooden stocks and he's in this wooden stocks and, you know, he's just saying, hey, um, we're going to be judged uh, by Babylon and there's a prophet there. I can't remember his name. I want to say Hananiah, but you guys can read later. Jeremiah 28, he says, absolutely not, Jeremiah. In two years, those guys that were taken away, we're going to come back. And so he took Jeremiah's wooden uh, the yoke and he broke it. And so Jeremiah goes back, and you know what he does? He gets metal yokes, iron yokes, and he puts them on. He says, oh no, what I'm saying is true. Babylon is going to take us. We're going to be gone eventually. It'll be 70 years. And this guy says, no, 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 two years, we'll be back. And so Jeremiah says, okay, for that, you're going to die. And the guy died that year. What we find is that these prophets, they were prophesying peace, peace. Oh, everything's going to be good. You know, and so you might have some pastors, some preachers, they think I'm weird. You know, this guy, the doom and gloom guy, you know, you got to stay away from them. Um, they're, those, they're those false prophets. Because we see, you guys see, if you love the Lord, if you're born again, you see the evil, the wickedness that is prevailing in our world today. Unless there is a great revival, and I keep thinking about Jonah and how he went to Nineveh, and that was a wicked city, but they turned. They turned from their sin. I mean, that's what my prayer is for. It begins here. It begins here, and then it just spreads. Because once the, the church catches fire for God, it spreads. But if we're just casual, you know, going through the motions, normal, normal, nominal, casual, California Christianity, then there will be no revival. And so it says right here, at that time it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, a dry wind of the desolate heights blows in the wilderness toward the daughter of my people, not to fan or to cleanse, a wind too strong for these will come for me. Now I will also speak judgment against them. And so there in, in, in Judah, you might get the breeze from the Mediterranean and it felt good and uh, it brought dew. It also was something that they could use uh, uh, in winnowing their, their you know, to, 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 so that the shaft would blow away. 
But then you also had another wind that would blow from the desert. And it was too strong and it, was, it, was, it would damage the crops. And God is saying, it's coming. The wind is coming. You sow into the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. Behold, he shall come up like clouds and his chariots like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are plundered. Now remember, Babylon is depicted as a lion with wings. And so you have the ferocity of a lion, but then you have the swiftness of an eagle. And that's why I'm saying, and again, who knows? I, I can't say, no one can say, no one knows the day or the hour, but um, it can happen suddenly. I know you're thinking, no, I got plenty of time. We don't know. All I know is that today is the day we got to get right with God. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? And you know, the heart is the real you. It's hard to, to, to you know, separate the, the mind from the heart, but there is a, a, a slight dichotomy there. Um, but I will say this, that, you know, connected to the heart closely is the mind. And if you're here and you're one of those people who says, well, I'm okay, you know, I got these wicked thoughts. I'm okay with it because I'm not really doing anything with it. I would say to you that this is this addresses that, and it says absolutely not. God sees those thoughts. God sees everything, and so you know, I know for me, like when I go and I and I pray, and I just ask God, cleanse my heart, Lord. If there's any thoughts, weed them out. Weed out the wickedness. Allow no lust to linger. Seriously, we have to bring every thought even our thoughts, into obedience, into captivity. It says, For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims affliction from Mount Ephraim. Make mention to the nations. Yes, proclaim against Jerusalem that watchers come from a far country and raise their voice against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of a field, they are against her all around. And that's talking about the way that Babylon besieged them. Because she has been rebellious against me, says the Lord, your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is bitter and it reaches to your heart. That's what it means right there. And so God, again, just really clear, saying Babylon's going to come and they're going to surround the city, which is exactly what they did in 586 B.C., and they obliterated Jerusalem. And so he says, Oh, my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. It's pounding. I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, Oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. Suddenly, there's that word, suddenly, my tents are, are plundered and my curtains in, in a moment. How long will I see the standard and hear the sound uh, of the trumpet? And so that's the, the, the standard would be the flags, the Babylonian flags that are out there and 
the trumpets are their armies outside the city. I mean, this is, is really happening. He says, for my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. And this is my encouragement to you. This is obviously what happened to Judah. They were foolish and they were childish. They were childish. They knew more about like how, what's going on in the world, you know, and how to, you know, the, the wisdom of the world than they did the wisdom of the word. And there are some people like that. They know all about the music that's out there, you know, all about the actors and the movie stars and the way it is on the streets, but they don't know the way it is in the kingdom of God. And so my encouragement to you and to me, you guys, is wherever you're at tonight, grow. Grow up. Get stronger, man. If you're at home, and let's just say you're having the same issues with whoever it is, the same scandal, the same arguments, the same, you're, it's like the same thing over and over again. I mean, you got, we got to do something different. It's time to grow. They're foolish. They're childish. And it says right here, they're, they're worldly. And, you know, to me, a lot of that is just, okay, Lord, teach me the Bible. Teach me your ways. I really want to know your heart, Jesus. I want to be that kind of man. That, that's what we need right here because that's, they were not that and therefore they were judged. Do you realize what a difference you can make? He says, I beheld the earth and indeed it was without form and void. And, and the heavens, they, they had no light. I beheld the mountains and indeed they, they trembled and all the hills moved back and forth. I beheld, and indeed, there, there was no man, and all the, the birds of the heavens had fled. I beheld, and indeed, the fruitful land was a wilderness, and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. Here, Jeremiah just basically has a vision of what's going to happen, man, and it's crazy. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 1 when, you know, before creation, it was just, just devastating, something he had never seen before. And, and, and I don't know what your theology is because, I mean, I, I, don't know, I don't know a lot of you guys, but I'm pretty mellow. I'm, I'm a, I consider myself kind of nice, probably too nice. Um, I love love. I love loving people. I do. You know, and uh, sometimes people think, well, God is just love and, and easy and chill and relaxed. He would never smash someone. He would never throw someone into the lake of fire. He would never kill someone. He never strikes someone. And you haven't read your Bible. The Bible says in Psalm 711 that God is angry with the wicked every day and so for us if we're you know abusing grace and you know we're not really truly hungering and thirsting after righteousness we're not truly longing to be holy then god is going to deal with you because he's a holy god and look what jeremiah says it just got 
crazy what God ended up doing to the land, moving uh, mountains. We're talking earthquakes. We're talking, you can't even find a, a guy who's alive in certain areas. I mean, it just got really bad. For, for thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate. But remember what I told you? God will discipline his children, but he will not destroy them. And that's what we read right here. It says, yet I will not make a full end. And that's one of the things you read throughout the prophets. You're reading it over and over again. God's going to judge. God's going to deal with his people, right? But he always puts it in there. But there will be the day where they will return to the land. And that's why a group of us, about 40 of us, are going to Israel at the end of January, early February, because Israel, yes, they did go into captivity, 70 years in Babylon, but God brought them back. Remember, in Gen I told you guys earlier in Jeremiah chapter 28 about that false prophet, you know, and he was, you know, false, he was prophesying they'll be back in two years, and Jeremiah said, absolutely not. You know, they're going to go to captivity. The very next chapter, after Jeremiah 28, is what? Jeremiah 29. And you guys know what Jeremiah 29 talks about, right? How they would go into captivity, but God still had plans for them. He'd bring them back. And then, of course, we know, you know, they went back in the land. They're kind of dealing with the Greeks for a while, and the Syrians, and the Romans, and then in 70 AD, God once again judged Jerusalem again. 1.2 million Jews were slaughtered by the Roman general, Titus. And again, they were scattered throughout the world. But what does the Bible say? Ezekiel chapter 37, 38, 36, that they would come back to the land. And that's why they're there today. See, God's going to deal with them, but God he says, I will not make a full end. And that's why whatever you do, and sometimes you'll go to churches and they think that the church has replaced Israel. They call it replacement theology. No, God still has all these promises for Israel that are amazing. But my prayer, guys, is that we would learn uh, the lessons from them. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about being some weird Christian. Those, have you guys ever run into those weird Christians? They're obnoxious. I'm talking about being a solid Christian, a real Christian, a holy Christian, you guys. Don't, don't, don't stop having that desire in your heart. Right here it says, for, for thus shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken, I have purposed, and will not relent. Nor will I turn back from it, God says. The judgment's coming. The whole city shall flee from the noise of the horsemen and, and, and bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb up on the rocks. Every city shall be forsaken, and not a man shall, shall dwell in it. And it's not just men, but look what it says. And when you are plundered, what will you do? Though you clothe yourself with crimson, though you adorn yourself with ornaments of gold, Though you enlarge your eyes with paint, in vain you will make yourself fair. Your lovers will despise you. They will seek your life. Now, it's interesting what he says right here. So now you can visualize the, the, the soldiers is coming in. Boom, they're breaking down houses. They're just doing their thing. They're coming in and God says, what are you going to do then? 
And so um, in those days, the women prostitutes, this is what they would do. They got the gold, they got the crimson, they make their eyes big with that paint. And what they, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll seduce them. We'll seduce them. You know, and sometimes, you know, whatever the women might think, they can do that, they can have their way. But what we find in this moment is there is not that aspect of mercy. God says right here, for I have heard a voice as of a woman in labor, the anguish as of her who brings forth her first child, we know that's painful, the voice of the daughter of Zion bewailing herself, she spreads her hand saying, woe is me for my soul is weary because of murders. And it's interesting, again, some believe that that's in, in, in reference to the ladies. So the men, yeah, they're going to get judged. And sometimes the ladies think, well, we won't. Yeah, it, it's, it's because of the sin. Now, others believe maybe it's a personification of Israel. And the whole, you know, getting gussied up is just them looking to their idols. And their idols will not spare them. But all, all I know is this, you guys. We have to be so careful. We have to seek God with all our heart. And... I don't know about you, but like I said earlier, I know I find myself with plenty of room for improvement. God, I want to get closer. I want to draw near. And so, Lord, show me how to do this. Show me how to do this. Because right here where it says, my, my soul is weary because of murderers, I was thinking two things in closing. I was thinking... Well, maybe the murderers are just physical lives dying. Just physical lives dying. And we know John 8, 44 says Satan is a liar and he's a murderer, right? But I was also thinking her soul, her soul is weary. And you guys know this just as well as I do, man, that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy and in one sense, we know that God has this mission, this love, this cross, this blood, this uh, gospel to take people to heaven. But the enemy has his agenda, you know, to take people to hell. Almost like a murderer of their soul. And you guys, that's, that's the life, that's the battle we're in. I mean, life is fun. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to have fun, but whatever you do, don't lose sight of what's really going on. You know, there is this battle that's taking place, and wherever you are in the body of Christ, my prayer is that you would be there with all your heart, because man, like we're reading right there, lives 